Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. My name is Noor. My name is Noor. And together we are light-hearted dads. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to Light-hearted dads. How are you, bro? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. I'm sure you know who you are. And who I am. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not going to do that. We it's, decided it's, it's, like, that is it. All right. They know who we are. And uh, if they don't, I'm Noor. <laughs> and I'm Noor. <laughs> <laughs> we are like hearty dads. But then again, the intro should have covered that already. Yeah, it should have. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Yeah, cool. So. Anyway, uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Today, we have this amazing topic that we want to discuss. And it's not one that we've covered before. Um, so, without any further ado, I will pass it over to you to bring it to light. Okay, this uh, is a really important topic, and I think it touches all of us um, and our children. Um, and it's triggered from a post that I saw today actually on LinkedIn. So, there's a guy who's on LinkedIn, one of my connections, and he was talking about Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. And what he mentioned was um, somebody had left some Islamophobic hate kind of comments on one of the po- one of his posts. So he had blocked the guy and all of those things. And so the co- comment remained. And I think he got in touch with his employer, the guy's employer, to say, oh, do you know, you, you know you've got a staff who's basically um, Islamophobic and hate speech and so forth. Eventually he said that the, uh, the, the, the lawyer from that company got in touch with him saying, can you unblock him so he can delete his comment? And, and that's it. And he goes, is that all you're going to do about it? And he goes, uh, what would you want us to do? And he goes, uh, well, firstly, you know, an apology wouldn't go amiss, um, rectifying it, then providing some sort of support and training for the staff if, if you feel that he needs to be educated. Or in other words, it's like what you're doing is you're actually allowing and saying it's perfectly fine to make comments as long as you delete afterwards, no, it doesn't come back on you. So then he's talking about what is the company's position regarding Islamophobia and all of those things. And it just triggers a thought in my head. You know, I, I recall previously in my previous kind of employments, um, and even when I was trying to look for new jobs, I would go to interviews. Yeah? Now, alhamdulillah, one of the things I used to get good feedback on is that, you know, I used to do really good interviews. Uh-huh. Yeah? Um, and uh, even at the end of the interviews, I used to get uh, uh, kind of applauded by them. Like they would just take me aside and say, I just want to tell you something. That was a really good interview. You know, we're really impressed you know, with the work that you do and all of this kind of stuff and that what you've done as well. Because mm. all of it, I would bring in my, my also extracurricular activities that we do, you know. So, the, you know, for, for especially if you're with non-Muslims, you're thinking, wow, you, you do a lot of extra stuff. So, but I still never get the job. Yeah. After those kind of comments, I still never get the job. And I know I did well in the interviews and feedback was always good. And endless kind of not getting the jobs. And there were some studies that came afterwards. I think they did some social experiment. I think a journalist or somebody wrote about it where they gave the same CV or job application. But one of the guys they gave his name is like Muhammad or something. Another one is like John. Yeah. And then they showed the progress of it exactly the same. But John, every time and time again, always got the job offered. Oh. Always got put forward. But Muhammad wasn't. And we're talking about this Islamophobia that we see in society. But the thing that I really wanted to bring to light was how do we prepare our children for the real world? Mm. Now, our children, alhamdulillah, they're, they're growing up, you know, and they're innocent. And children are innocent. They're growing up thinking the world's great, it's fine, and about fairness. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunities. And they teach this at school, mm. equality and equal opportunities and, and not to discriminate. But the moment you leave school, or even they face it at school, but the moment you do leave school and you go into the real big bad world, bang, it smacks them in the face. So it just reminds me of 
I know within the black community that black parents, it comes to a stage where they have to have the, the, the black chat. You know, where they sit Allah. down with the child and tell them, look, you're black. So if the police ever, and they do this in America, if the police ever pull you over, straight away put your hands up. Make sure it's clear. Don't make any sudden movements. Boom, you might get shot. Uh. Yeah? Or you have to realize that you're going to get routinely stopped and searched. And all of those things, it's not fair, but it's life. And they teach them how to survive because no parent wants their kid to be shot by the police. As an American, in the UK, same thing about being arrested and all of those kind of things. So the question is, is like, you know, with Islamophobia being so rampant within society, how, you know, do we go about, when do we go about, do we even go about explaining to our children about Islamophobia and about actually when you're growing up, especially to your daughter, when you're growing up, you want to be, I don't know, you know, you've got some high ambitions. You want to be the barrister, for example, but you're going to have to just, just almost ground her and say, well, it's great to have this expectation, but be wary of this, 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 this that mm. you're going to face along the way, especially with our daughters, especially with girls, because of the visible Islam in them, because of the hijab and so forth, that they are much more easily targeted than maybe men, you know, uh, uh, you know within, the, within, the, within the community. And also because they're the more, you know, vulnerable within the community and they're targeted and attacked more. So that's the, really the topic I want to raise about. Sorry, I've given a very, very big preamble, but it's a really important discussion I think we need to bring to light. So I just wanted to get, what, what are your thoughts on this? Have you ever thought about this? Uh, yes, I haven't actually thought about educating the kids, but I have faced four different cases of Islamophobia or racism. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll go to the earliest one, which is, I asked one of my managers, um, I don't see many black people in our bank. Mm. He goes, I don't recruit black people. Wow. He said that to me very nice and clear. I said, okay. And at that time, I didn't know what to do. I just went, huh. Like I thought he was joking or not. Mm. And he goes to me, um, the reason, <laughs> it's so funny, black people don't work. They cause a lot of problems. They give a lot of grief. And with Asians, they just do what they're told. And this is a white male telling me this. And obviously at that time I was a graduate, eager, banging on the hours, um, fully going for it, if that makes sense. And he really liked me, like whatever I, he asked, I got it done and beyond. That was the first one when I, I didn't think much of it at the time. I was just con like thinking, huh? And I actually carried that all on with me, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I just thought maybe that's the reason, full stop. I never actually questioned it or nothing. And I just carried on with my life. Um, the second scenario was I was in an interview and very renowned top tier investment bank. I was in an interview and wallahi, I was killing it. When I was, I was killing it, that job description described me inside out. And I told him, this is what I do. Bang, 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 bang. This is what I've done. BAU work, business as usual, on top of that project work and over and beyond work, ad hoc works. I just went migration, different countries. I went into it. He didn't make a single note. Wallahi, Allah is my witness. You know what he said to me? He goes, okay, I've got a lot of Jewish people working with me. What is your uh, opinion on uh, Palestine and Israel? Wow. Wallahi, he said that. And I was baffled and I didn't know what to say. He was obviously a Jew and set and set. 
And he particularly asked me, what was my opinion? And I said, how is that relevant? He goes, I don't want any conflict in my workplace. I said, why would there be a, any conflict? Why, he goes, I just want to know your opinion. And I said, I don't have an opinion. I, I, at the time, like, there was nothing going on at the time, if that makes sense. And that was before 2014. Um, and that's when the 2014 happened, right? By the time there was nothing, when I was like oblivious, not educated in that sense or what's going on. And I was just, I came out of the interview and I called the agency. I said, don't ever refer me to this bank. Don't ever refer me to this person again. He goes like, whoa, 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 what's happening? No. And he goes, this is what he said. He goes, that's bang out of order. I'm going to go to his manager and tell them what he said, what he's done. I don't know what happened. I just said, don't ever approach me again. I should call them out. Who are they? I don't want to approach, uh, call them out. Um, and mm. they're literally the best of the best. And you can figure it out from that. Yeah. Um, the second, so the third one was, I actually faced racism from black people. Mm. There was a case where I was in Primark. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know what I was doing there, actually. I was, I was looking for someone. And um, I was talking Bengali. And if you know me well enough, you know I do accents. Mm. I, I genuinely know how to do Chinese, Nigerian, Indian, or any kind of accents. And I do it really, really well. Because when I used to work in Waitrose, I used to have all these different ethnic minorities. We need to have a show where you do the different accents. I'll wait, I'll do it. Do you get me? Yeah. But, um, and I, I remember I was on the phone and one of the, someone said to me, I'm in front of your house. I said, Dorzamza Barimaro. Barimaro. Just mm. Bari. Yeah. yeah. And I kept say, saying it. Bari, Barimaro, Barimaro. There's a black guy behind me goes, oh, listen, better, 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 better. He just kept repeating it. And I just, I just turned around and, I looked, and wallahi at that moment, I was going to do an African accent, but I don't know what stopped me to get it. I said, do you like it? Do you like that? Sorry, mate. Like, I can be posh. I can be like street. I can be whatever you want me to be. Do you like it? I said, the audacity for you to be racist to me. What are you, bruv? Like I went to, I went to that mode. Does it make sense? Mm. Then I realized to myself, like, you know what? leave it there's four of them anything can happen let's not wind it up do you get it but it was just that moment where i'm thinking bruv man you and me we're the same we're we we are struggling out here bruv do you get it we're the minorities we stick together and this is what you're doing to me i was like do you know what leave it it is what it is it is what i call the colonized minds that's exactly what it is they've colonized uh, and they've accepted uh and they see no difference in that. And then suddenly they're, they're almost becoming like, you know, like the slave masters and how they treated other minorities and they see themselves like that. And uh, that's what I said, it's a colonized mind. It's, it's very much that. So I definitely, I, look, I just didn't know how to handle it. I was oblivious to all of this stuff. And I actually didn't ever think that we should have this conversation with our kids. So how do you start that off? Like, how does it look? Uh, like, you know... Um, like I, I've been to so many interviews and I'm just thinking, hang on, like I know that job. Remember getting for uh, the only thing that I went to a third interview and literally had everything. And then the, the only thing they said, look, you're an amazing guy, but you just don't know French. The other person knows how to speak French. And I go, but it's an Australian bank. What's that got to do with anything? But, but let's not be bitter about it. The guy has a better skill than I do. 
I just accepted it, if that makes sense. But at the time, I was like thinking, okay. But it happens. But you cannot say it is down to Islamophobia or it is down to uh, being racist. You just don't know, innit? Because at the end of the day, you know, we can't play that card all the time, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know what it is? Sometimes, yeah, incident can happen and very much it could be that somebody's a better candidate, yeah? Mm. And like I said, throwing the race card or those kind of cards coming, you know, doesn't always make sense. But when you start seeing a pattern of certain behavior, when you start seeing these things happening, and sometimes even if you look around and you see the company hanging out, every single person's white in the company, then, you know, it's very hard not to draw conclusions as to why you weren't selected for the job. If you know very well that you were matched up perfectly to the JD, for example, and there was nothing that you had any discrepancies on and so forth. And like I said, it's happened to me on numerous occasions where, you know, I realized I wasn't getting it. And in one of my jobs before, I remember I applied for a role internally and I was turned down. Yeah, And then it was only after I had to work hard to prove myself. And then I realized, actually, yeah, he's the right guy for the job. And later on, a position opened up and so forth took place. But sometimes it feels like you have to work extra hard, that double hard to prove yourself than, a, for example, a white colleague would need to. Um, or, or, for example, even, I'll go further, but even I'm talking about a non-Muslim. Mm. Because, unfortunately, when you do have it, when you've got the beard, it's very visible, it's clear. You know, other people, for men, maybe if they don't have this sort of beard or a short beard, and these days beards are in trendy and fashion, so it's all up and down. But for sisters, I know they face it a lot harder because just visibly, it's clear to see that they're Muslim. Yeah. Um, and and they're difficult. And back to the question that you mentioned, which is, how do you talk about it to your kids? You know, you know, I really don't have an answer, but I know I have had the conversations with my children already. How did that yeah. look? So all of this was based on, you know, when you understand, when you, when you start talking to them about history, when you start talking to them about politics, you know, there's like a journey that your child goes on. Yeah, and so I've had those discussions a lot, especially when you talk about, for example, issues around the ummah. So when you talk about things around the ummah, then they're quite clear. So we talk about the issues, say, for example, Israel and Palestine. Yeah, when you're talking about the issues uh, in Syria, or even if I understand right now, and other places, you understand it. And especially after, for example, and more so recently, when in the last few years you had ISIS going around just doing everything nutty as possible. Yeah, it's just so for in the forefront. Kids are talking about it at school. It's on the news and they, they see the news. And so they ask questions, what is all of this about? Um, and so they become quite a perfect time to then also kind of segue in about Islamophobia, that there's a heightened fear of Muslims. Um, and it's, a, it's a, 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 something which has been produced and manufactured by the, by the politicians, by the government, by the media industry to stoke up fear. And it's of otherism. And if you link it back to history, you can, it's quite easy to say. You could talk about how before, after, well, you know, after, if, for example, you're talking about Nazi Germany, good prime example. What did Hitler do? He otherized the Jews. Yeah? Mm. He made them the scapegoat and they made them, uh, you know, um, the, 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 basically evil and depicted them in such a way that people disgusted them. And he made it easier to basically do genocide. Yeah? He made it easier. People accepted it. And then you go through a history and then the Cold War started after World War II. And through the whole Cold War within the Western nations, it was all about, oh, hang, careful, is your neighbor a red? Is he a communist? Kids, they'll tell kids, check out, is your parents a communist? If they are, rat them. Yeah? Call them up. And, and you had the whole thing that happened in the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover, you know, was going around and you know, the, the whole rounding up of, you know, people who are personally communist. And the world has always worked in this way, um, especially within the Western nations, about otherizing. There has to be somebody who's a scapegoat. The moment the fall of Russia happened, boom, 
90s came in, what happened straight away? Muslims, terrorism, Muslims, terrorism, boom, boom, boom. They started pushing up, pushing up, pushing up. Obviously, 9-11 propelled it even further, but we're not saying before 9-11 didn't exist. It existed. I remember the 90s clearly. Um, and it became further and more worse. So all of these are very much linked. Politics, religion, history, all of those things. So a lot of them have come back up in natural discourse. And some of them has come about in conversations that I've had about my personal experiences. Yeah. So then it's just about, do you know what it is? It's a very fine balance because you don't want to knock your kids' aspirations. I always say this, you can be whatever you want to be if you oh. put your mind to it. And, if, and, you, and, and you persevere and we always say what? It's also by, uh, uh, by the will of Allah. Yeah. So we all have to always put that in because it's not the case of I am, I am, my, I am, I am everything myself. No, Allah is, is the one who gave you everything. So we always have to ground ourselves like that. But you say you could do whatever you want to do. You could be whatever you want to be. Just put the effort in, drive, have the goal and drive for it. So have, one, just build that in their head. Yeah, have that. But then, because I don't want you to have a conversation and not call it, not literally just, just, just take the legs out from underneath them. You don't want to do that. No, because no, no. they have to have hope. They have to have that. Then you, talk, then you have to talk about some realism. That society, this exists. So there may be cases that you have to work double hard to get something. There may be cases, all of those things, and it's not fair. You're going to feel it's not fair. We know it's not fair. But then what we do is, uh, one is that you persevere. The other one is that you actually, if it's clear and apparent, we should report it. Why should we face this abuse? So if there's actually, if it's not happening, report it. Whatever means uh, there are. Uh, if it's in employment and you think that something really was there, then report it through the systems. If you, if you face Islam for on the streets, for example, report in the system. And then l lastly is that you um, uh, basically be real about the situation. And with that means put tawakkul on Allah. That sometimes there might be a job you're going for and you didn't get it. And it was down to these factors. But in the end as well, is also the fact that it wasn't destined for you. Uh, it wasn't within, written within your qadr and all of those things. So then you also mentioned those things and they're important. Now, obviously, I had to have this chat a bit more with my daughter. The moment she's going out and she's traveling by herself. So she's in, she goes to secondary school. She's obviously visibly Muslim. She's wearing hijab. And when she say travels home by herself from school, then there are chances and occasions where she could face it. So the benefit we have is, okay, we're in Tahamas, we're in East London everywhere so inshallah we'll hope that the chance of it are lower but you know you're talking about those who have views and listen you might be living in many different places and you know it's, it's a natural fear that you have so then you have to think okay how do you equip them without putting fear in them because you don't want it to be the case where we're so afraid to go out of the house because we're going to get faced with Islamophobia so it's, it's a very very fine line um, I don't have the perfect answer but I can say these are the stuff that I have done with my children to kind of prepare them for the reward that look, you're going to face this. It's the reality of life, unfortunately. It's not fair. So obviously our viewers can be all over the country, possibly a different part of the world. Um, so they'll be facing discrimination in so many different forms and they could be isolated. Mm. Yeah. That do like the father and the mother... What are the religion side aspect for that reason? Water it down. For that's that's the one thing you don't do. Yeah. Because Islam has been revealed and it is completed and it is perfect mm -hmm. and it's made for every time and any time. It's timeless. Yeah. And 
the moment, like I said, you know, uh, I think it was, was it, was it uh, Malcolm X who said it, that uh, if you stand for nothing, uh, yeah, yeah. you fall for everything. Not, I can't remember what he was, but he's, yeah, he's, talking about, good, yeah, but he's yeah. talking about principles, that if you've got nothing that you stand for, the one by one you start letting go, eventually you just basically... You're worthless. You're, you're worthless. And yeah. it is very much about the principles. So we should never abandon it, especially when it comes to the, uh, the wajibat, the fara'id of our deen. The, the, the incumbent things we have to do. So yes, for women, hijab is incumbent. Yeah? Does that but mean you're you, not in their situation? Irrespective of the situation. Because no matter what happens here, you know, um, what you have is, um, uh, in this country, there are abuses that happen. There are mm. that. And, uh, and those things can happen, especially to sisters and so forth. But... Um, it isn't necessarily, it hasn't gone to the stage of life-threatening noise on a massive, massive scale. And even if it was that you were then attacked, and these are things you say, then whatever you, injuries you feel, there's something that you can present to Allah. That why were you attacked? Because of your deen. Because you practice your religion. Yeah, and these are, and there's many hadith that talk about the one who is killed. You know, we're talking about shaheed and being a martyr, but the one who killed defending his family. The one who is killed defending his wealth and the one who's killed in these different ways, they're also shaheed. So one of them is also if you're being attacked for your deed, for your religion, or you stand for, there is reward in that. I'm not saying that you want the attack to happen. But yeah. we take the positive of, of, of that incident that takes but place. I, I, I'm scared. Well, fear is always going to be there. If you look at the example of the Prophet, <laughs> you think where they were, they were also a minority. Think about it. The Prophet <laughs> when he brought the message out. He was ridiculed. He was attacked by his own people. Mm-hmm. By his own people. We're here. And these people aren't our own people. Because most of us tend to be what? We're, 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 we're a second, third generation kind of immigrants. So, you know, they're not, we'll never be classed as this is your people. Yeah, unfortunately, the British, you know, they're not our qawm. I mean, the, the white Caucasian, they're not. Um, we will always be seen as the other. Mm-hmm. No matter how much. So that's why you even see with racism. Even that black man who wants to, you know, who lives his life just like the white man does. In the end, too, you boil it down, something happens, they'll always pull out which, that, that black guy and the racist words are coming out when they're drunk. All of those, the real truths of their life come out and the inner deeper thoughts come out because it's still there at the bottom of it, which is that it's still black though. So you know? uh, what I just did is ask you to some viewers silly questions. To some people, realistic questions. Yeah. And what I wanted you to bring out or speak about, you've spoken about it. So for the viewers, what I wanted to, for them to get is don't be scared to be a Muslim. Don't be scared when they ask you, when the Prophet ﷺ married Aisha radiallahu anhu, or when, um, uh, you know, there's so many cases of like, you know, sh- wars and the bounties and the rulings in, in the Quran, they, you'll get attacked re- in regards to those. They're very easy to do that. But everything has an answer. And the other day I was, um, Wallahi, I was uh, online and it was something about Boris Johnson. I follow him mm-hmm. and I love commenting on his, um, on his Instagram. Literally, I just like... I'm not fake, bruv. I don't have a fake account. I just bombard him to get it. With my thoughts, I got literally destroyed by a handful, and when I mean a handful, a few of them, uh, white supremacists, and literally 
called out Professor Salam like no man's business. Called out uh, my mom. Uh, <laughs> went crazy, right? So I could have joined uh, or do, do exactly what they did by cussing them, swearing at them, defending like a lunatic. But I knew the answers. Does it make sense? Mm. And wallahi, man, it's just, it's amazing, you know? When you talk cool on Allah, Allah always somehow gets that message to you. And I just read about why Allah, okay, sorry, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi marrying Aisha Radiyallahu yeah? And, um, and the reasoning behind it, the benefits and all that stuff. But let's be fair, yeah? That's the one thing that stuck out from that video. Let's be fair. Let's talk about Maryam Maria, Maryam, <laughs> Maryam, and uh, uh, what's her husband name, man? Um, Maryam wasn't married. No, in Christian. Oh, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Subhanallah, man. Joseph. In a Christian Bible, Joseph was ninety. Maryam was twelve. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Let's go back. Um, uh, in the Jewish scripture, something about what's her, what's her name, man? A seven-year-old. Uh, oof, subhanallah. Marrying Isaac, seven-year-old. Even to certain Judaism like books, they can say up to the age of three they can get married. Even have intercourse. Like, uh, bro, uh, this video explains it really well. All right. Someone can say, well, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, it's all fraud. Okay. You're an atheist. You're British or wherever you are. What about Richard II? When he married um, the prince, princess of uh, France, I forgot her name, man. I don't remember this stuff. Um, when she was seven. And everyone was, oh, we don't have to go far. It's 1400 years. Bro, let's go 600 years. Yeah, when he married her and everyone was saying France and England are, have teamed up through this marriage. And she had a kid straight up very soon as well. So like, or something along those lines, like they consummated the marriage. So I'm sorry, like, let's be fair. So yeah, let's be fair. And then since 2000, look it up. In America, 200,000 Kids, are the underage kids have got married legally in America. There's many states in America that permit marriage from 12 and uh, no, but let's be yeah. fair. Do you get it? But what people don't understand, and the historians say, is the Arab women, even historically, women generally, you should develop at a young age. Even like when I say that like my grandma, I think, got married at the age of 13. Um, and then my mom got married at the, age of, at the age of 16 and stuff like that. Like back then it was normal. They, they were ready. They, they, they were built for, they were what? Prepared for marriage. They weren't prepared for education or they weren't prepared for, um, you know, to be... A, uh, you know, builder or whatever, etc. Not that women can't be builders. They can be. Do you get it? But what I'm talking about, back then, men and women, they were prepared for marriage. 
Do you get it? Because mm. they never, the poverty didn't exist. Hardship didn't exist as, as we see it today in terms of financial struggles. Because um, in terms of money, equality is ridiculous. But back then, you know, why did the minister from Britain go to India and say, we cannot destroy this country with weapons? Only way to destroy them is divide and conquer. Yeah, the British way. They, they colonized the whole world to divide and conquer. Yeah, but there's certain things that they've done which they fought with arms, right? Yeah, of course. Not yeah. everything, mm -hmm. but like, you know, but that's what I'm getting at. We didn't face, um, you know, poverty in that sense back mm -hmm. then, right? So therefore, like, I'm not justifying people getting married at young age. Today, yeah, I get it. Do you get it? We're in this modern age. About kids getting down, married in different ages. A lot of it's down, down to also social norms and societal norms that, that existed and norms can change. Yeah. And, and those things as well. But you know, even like, you know, you mentioned these points. Yeah. Those who hate Islam will come for thinking of, okay, they will attack on this point. Mm. <clears throat> They'll attack on those kind of specific points. Yeah. But the issue isn't, you know, okay, fine. You, you convince them about the marriage of Aisha. They're still not going to accept Islam. Nah. Yeah, they're not going to think because you know what the crux of the issue is. Yeah. Is that you reject Allah, you reject the Tawheed of Allah. You that's it. So you reject La ilaha illallah. So you know when most of the arguments happen about all of these things. Look, forget the Aisha issue. Forget jihad. Forget this and forget that. Those other issues that you have. Yeah. Let's get to the crux of it. Do you believe La ilaha illallah? Do you believe there is only one Allah alone? Worthy of worship, the only deity, there's no other deity. Do you accept that? Do you accept the Tawheed? You know, that's what it boils down to. Does it, do you accept um, uh, uh, Rasulullah being the final messenger and servant of Allah? These things, do you accept that? If you don't accept it, there's no point going to these discussions. It's, it's fruitless. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just go on. The reason why I brought it up is that our kids will face that yes. on social media and stuff like that. So I laughed you off and I thought, do you know what? Instead of fighting him, that Boris Johnson's got thousands of followers, right? Let me educate the others. The ones that will have issues, like, you know, don't have knowledge about it because they'll take his words as gospel. Mm. So what I started to do was I started educating the rest of them and ignoring him. And he kept swearing my mom and trying to interrogate me. And I said, look, I've, I'm done with your fake account. Look at my account. My account's real, bruv. It's open. I've got nothing to hide. Do you get it? You can see where I work. You can see what I do. Uh, what not. Go, go and attack me. You can me. see Laha Idaz as well. Like, yeah, you see Laha Idaz as well. Like, you know who I am, bruv. I'm real. I'm not going to hide behind a fake account. But then I realized, hang on. And this is something that our kids, and even the older lots, when they see something that's happening in Afghanistan or um, in Israel um, and all these places, yeah, don't get don't attack or don't defend emotionally. I know it's easy to say, right? And our kids are following what we do, right? Like there's always a educational response to all of this. And, I, and one of the funniest things I've done is I always laugh. Do you get it? I never let it affect me. Do you get it? Even though it affects, the situation affects me, but the kids out there, like they become, they're very vulnerable. Like, I remember um, a, f a friend of mine approached me. Actually, he wasn't a friend at the time. He just randomly approached me 
And he goes, no, man. Like, so no, he says, excuse me. Uh, it was a charity event. And he goes, um, I want to do this. And he goes, okay. Yes, uh, next year, this year, obviously we've done. And then to fast forward, uh, we go into a conversation and he, he goes like, bro, I want to get my son involved. He's 14. And I go, nah, he's too young. He goes, what can I do with my son? I need to do something with my son. I go, why? He goes, oh, I don't know. I said, you, you ain't got a relationship, have you? He goes, no, I don't have a relationship with him, man. And I was like, I'm struggling. Like, you know, we're really, really bad and really, really having difficulties and stuff like that. Fast forward, he literally broke down to me and said to me that, you know, him and his son clash like mad. But I've noticed, I said to him, when was the last time you actually spoke to him? Instead of just keep constantly telling him, it was never, man. My dad was like that with me. So I'm like that with them. I go, this generation is different, bro. You need to talk to them. You need to be on their level sometimes. But obviously be stern at certain times. But you need to like have that relationship. And they don't. They, you know, nowadays, many fathers are still doing what their fathers did to them. Mm. And they're carrying that on. Not all, but some. Do you get it? So, like, for, like if, if my dad never had that conversation with me about Islamophobia, all he says to me is, you, you Bengalis are fighting other Bengalis. Shame on you. We made a ter territory for you by fighting the uh, the fascists, yeah, NF, NF, and stuff like that. Your national fronts, and you guys are fighting each other. You're stabbing each other. You're ridiculous. Because how dumb are you? Did we, if we had known that you would do this, like we would have left long time ago. We would have just left you to it. Uh, sorry, left you in Bangladesh, and we would have just come here and raised money. But instead, you lot fighting each other over petty stuff. Brothers stabbing brothers. People like neighbours killing neighbours. Bruv, like, you know, I, I, I don't want to go into all of this, yeah? But this is what our kids are picking up because we are exactly, exact replica of our fathers. So I would have never have ever thought of talking about Islamophobia or racism to my son. Never until you brought it up today. Inshallah, hopefully many other parents are going to be the same. That you realize actually this is something we need to have. And like I said, I don't have you a manual. No, no, don't you don't have, have a manual, but what but, are the benefits? But, what are the benefits? But the benefits are clear because it prepares you for life. Because, you, you know, like I said, they're going to come into the real world and start facing this. And they're like, whoa, what's going on? Mm. And sometimes you want to do is, you know, we talk about we want to prepare our children the best as possible. Just like when they do their studies, we want to get them prepared as much as possible, make sure they have all the revision books that they need and might get them a tutor after school clubs and classes. And we do everything while preparing them for what? To have the best opportunity and ability to do the best at their GCSEs, their A-levels and so forth. Yeah? So what about life? You know, these are all linked to life because we want them to have a good life. Because what's the outcome? You want them to have a good job. You want them to do all of these things that you have as outcomes. But what about you know, the reality when they go there and they can't get a job? They keep on getting turned down, knocked down, knocked down. It impacts an individual. And so, you know, like uh, we might be thinking about physical pain, but there's a lot of emotional pain you go through. And we want to prepare our children and get them ready for that and understand that. At the same time, like you mentioned, they should be growing up to be confident Muslims. Because the fear you have is if they keep on getting these knockbacks, they may start suppressing their Islam. No. Yeah. That's not what we want. We want them to express their Islam. So the, the, the problem with that, I see, is are the parents educated enough Islamically? 
obviously there's those that, that is a factor so sometimes some parents aren't some people are on a journey but if if, if you don't have or equipped enough yourself then i recommend go learn and it's so easy these like I said, there's enough stuff you, you mentioned it you're battling something and boom something pops up a video about aisha radiallahu anha and then it's educated you like that there's many other things out the resources to help to educate you to upskill you alhamdulillah today there's an abundance of courses abundance of videos and material out there in different formats audio visual written you know that you can access so the most important thing as a parent I've, and I've always said this I said if you want to raise good children fix yourself if you want to raise children who love Quran you love Quran if you want to raise children who love salah you pray salah not be the parent who doesn't pray salah but it sends a child to the masjid or doesn't read Quran but sends the kid to the madrasas to learn because then eventually your kids are going to pick up hunger I mean, mom and dad don't read they don't do this they don't do that and eventually you know they may then swerve away from that and there is a case and and this I've already earmarked this as a podcast in the future to discuss I've already got a guest in mind who I think would be really good to discuss to come on the show yeah um, but uh, you know to discuss about kids who have doubts about Islam because this then leads to having doubts about Islam this then leads to kids who are leaving Islam. There is a rise of this issue of atheism within uh, Muslim-born children. Yeah. You know, and so there are things, how do we tackle them? So it's really important that we don't let the Islamophobia have that negative impact on them. So we need to upskill them. And I do like doing that. I give them very factual and very uh, correct. The, I give them the arguments even as well. So for example, the other day, obviously all the stuff happening, I understand. And suddenly this whole swerve of thinking about oh, women's rights to start popping up, yeah? Now, it's all a facade because for 20 years, where was the women's rights? You are bombing their weddings. You are killing them. You are raping them. Yeah. So don't throw this facade. They, then they talk about now uh, the government's been formed or they, and they talk about there's no women in there. And, who's been, and who are the people talking? A male-dominated government somewhere else. You know, so uh, have it's you just not a, noticed that this is, the, this, is, this is a normal case? In order to stop... I, I, one of my friends, Monjuri, he's an expert in this, honestly. He always brings it up and he works for a really renowned news um, channel, yeah? And he always brings it up and he goes to, he, and he read this historically, he goes, any sort of movement that comes out, yeah, anything, whether it's black rights, pride or, uh, pride is something that they push without, uh, you know, um, with a second uh, push agenda. They don't do that. Pride is, they just go all out. They, def- they even fund it, right? But where you see rights for black people or Muslims or um, any anything that needs reconciling or spoken about, they take the voice out of this. Um, of they take the voice out. They take the women out. They always push it with, oh. Um, Women's right. Something, yeah. Women's right. They, yeah, they're coming with feminism. Like, for example, they're using feminism to justify war now, or say oh, twenty years of war, and they're making out like oh, it was all fine going in and all of those things. So, it's, my point is, it's a total facade in their argument. Yeah, mm. and this isn't me coming in from the angle of uh, Taliban as a government and um, rights and wrongs. Yeah, he, this is coming from the the occupiers who had bombarded and destroyed a country for twenty years. Yeah. And the hypocrisy for them to come out and ask, talk about, oh, we're going to hold them to account. We're not going to listen to the words, but their actions. Oh, hang on a minute. You're the guys who say so much and then you do the complete opposite. It's hypocrisy, yeah? It's just rife, yes? But anyway, the point being, I've gone off one because I got a bit annoyed there. But 
like the kids, we talked about that. And I said, look, it's important because you may come up in a school conversation. Understand the facts. Look at it all in the widest perspective. Look at alternative news sources. Mainstream media is always going to be pushing one thing out. But look at some alternative sources that give you that. And that's what I'll try to do. So that's one incident. I might be talking about issues around Syria. I might be talking about issues about you know, the, whole, the whole Palestinian conflict. You know, the occupation of Palestine. Um, or we could be talking about um, Islamophobia and other issues. So we like, I like to do that and empower and upskill them. So they're confident that they know that deen is haq, is the truth. No doubt about it. But when it comes to discourse and discussions, oh. they know the arguments and, they, and, they, and then you build them up like that. So that's why like this topic to discuss with children, Islamophobia, is really, really important. Because it prepares them for the real world, but also it helps to solidify their iman and, and their belief. But otherwise, there is a fear that many children who have faced it and afterwards they suppress Islam and then they leave it and they start moving away. So this is a really, really important thing um, that parents need to really think about. You need to start thinking, okay, you know, you know best when is it best to bring it up. It doesn't have to be, okay, kid, let's sit down. We're going to have the, the Muslim chat now, you know. No, make it natural. That's what I would say. Some incidents happen around the world. Good opportunity. Let's have a chat. We talk about it. We educate. And you learn through the process. And you learn through the process. And so I think these are really, really important things that need there to are, There are a huge number of people I know in secondary school that have mentioned or have left Islam kids. Yeah. And I've got I've got teachers, friends, and they always say, Sir, I'm I'm no longer a Muslim. Say I don't believe in Allah. And you know what? I've come to a conclusion. And I don't know if you guys want to take this advice, or I don't know if this if you could correct me and tell me, you know what, that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna put it out there. And I, this is the kind of thing that I have in my mind. I don't know how much you know about the discussion I had, the podcast I had ages ago with Jahid Bai. No. And about, I told about how my faith journey was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Do you remember? Yeah. You know, we everyone thought uh, um, coffee with Noor is going to be jokes and laugh and mm. whatnot. And it turned, it turned out to be serious. proper serious. And even like I had six, seven brothers messaging me saying, oh, Allah, I never knew you went through this. Like I said... I, I had to go through that journey myself. But one thing I will tell my son and my nephews and nieces, one thing I'll just say, listen, do you love your parents? Alhamdulillah, my brothers and sisters, they love their kids. Even my brother-in-law, sister-in-laws, whatever, man, they love their kids. Not all, I know my father loves me, my, my mom loves me, and our family, parents love us. But the love, it was a different form. It was hard love. And there's a different sort of love that you see today. I would go to my son. Dad has done all of this studying for you. And I know that Islam is the right religion. And that is something that I will say to him from a young age. I will discuss with him about other religions and the correlation and the journey towards Islam. I will do that. Because he needs to know. If I have future kids or my nephews and nieces, they need to know that other religion exists and how they all correlate. And I will have that discussion that say that I've done enough for you for this age to know that Islam is the right religion for you. And I'll give them all the um, resources possible for them to learn Islam as much as they can. 
not to say that, no, you make a decision when you're 18 or 19 or what religion you want to follow. Nothing like that. But I want to embed it into them that daddy's done the job for you. Mommy's done that job for you. We didn't just, we were born in a Muslim family, but we looked at other religion as well. We know what's good for you. Do you get it? We're not stupid. We're smart enough people to make decisions that, subhanAllah, I'm a proud Muslim. Could have easily been a proud atheist today or other, uh, uh, you know, other religion, right? But I'm telling you that I went all the way around and came back to, um, not came back, but studied Islam as well as all the other religions. I said, you know what? Subhanallah, this is the one. All the answers were in the Quran. I was just too arrogant to open it and read it. I kept thinking like, ah, oh, my family, may, uh, I was born into a Muslim family. That's why I was a Muslim. And then I obviously had these devil questions come up to me from like my past anyway, from elders and stuff like that. But and what I'm trying to get at is that's the advice I'd give them. So the parents out there would, they could, they should proudly say, I've done it for you to know that this is the best religion. And like, you know, just have that love with them. Do you get it? And let them study it. Listen that rather than saying, Memorize this, read this. Allah is one. Allah is this. Prophet Muhammad is, you know, uh, your pr a prophet. You know, um, all this stuff. Have the open conversation with them about Aisha and uh, Khadija, four wives, or, you know, all the other historical stuff that you learn about Prophet. Because one thing I didn't get growing up was enough education about the Prophet. It was all about Tawheed and, you know, oneness of Allah. Uh, but it was in a very stern way. Mm. What do you think? I think, in all honesty, um, you've got some points there and some other bits I would add to. But uh, I really want to actually bring this discussion up in another podcast where we just focus on on the topic of, uh, of atheism, really, on the topic of Muslim children who are kind of leaving the religion. Um, so that's why I'll probably reserve judgment okay, until we do okay. that because yeah, I think yeah, that fine. in itself is a really, really important topic and that deserves its own podcast just to discuss that. But I think for today's one, uh, we can maybe just kind of... Yeah, 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 that's fine. Off there, inshallah, at that point. But there are some very interesting points there. Some I agree with, some I've got a different take on it as well okay. in terms of how you can definitely approach that. But um, yeah, it's, it's true. I think just kind of to kind of summarize the key points, which is, Islamophobia-wise is um, you need to have that chat with your children. The reasons why is because it will get them better prepared for life. Mm -hmm. It'll help protect their own iman and deen as well and not suppress their Islam and make them more confident, being confident and proud Muslims. And that's what we should be. We should be, we should have the izzah. That we are Muslims. That this is the deen al-haq. Mm -hmm. yeah? And these are the things that we need to um, kind of instill within our children. Um, and, and it becomes really important. And one of the key things that we should do as parents is equip ourselves, educate ourselves to be able to answer those questions that may arise from our children, to be able to then give them the confidence to be able to articulate responses when they do arise within the playground, within this classmates that might, who are not Muslims. Or who may be Muslims have doubts who raise these questions and you're able to then address them confidently. Um, but it's a really important topic. And I would love to hear the comments from parents. Have you had this conversation with your children? 
um, or have any com- questions come from your children that's pre- uh, kind of preempted you for to kind of now address these issues because I think it becomes really important um, and there's something which I've been thinking about a lot about creating some sort of resources and even a course on about how to talk to children about Islamophobia. Yeah, and, I was just I was just going to suggest that maybe get that involved in your involved fathers seminars and stuff courses. Yeah. That'd be very good because I don't think anything's out there other than other people that kids might not take seriously telling them Islam is the way forward. Islam is your religion. Islam is the truth. Rather than getting it from the parents, it's a total different thing. Yeah. Because I know that if the approach that I got was completely different to how the kids are getting it today. But it's just so sad to see. Like, um, I got a phone call the other day and and he said, Islam has destroyed my life. I'm no longer a Muslim. I said, why would you? That is, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I, I just didn't know how to respond to it. But then I did respond saying like, I don't know if it was stupid or not. I said, would you not rather die believing there's a God than not believing there's a God and taking that chance? Because I just didn't want him to leave Islam. Mm. Do you get it? Because what I know, the miracles I've seen versus what he's probably going through are two different things. Anyway, that's a total different um, subject. But it all falls down to the fact that he sees the West. The West portrays him as a failure to the system, to failure to society. And he thinks Islam has held him back from a young age. Yeah, that Islam is the obstacle preventing you from integrating fully within society and and getting all the benefits of society and X, Y, Z. But a lot of the times... um, that these things pop up with is because it's, um, or the hatred or the dislike for Islam is because of the parents. Mm. I've seen it that because the parents and the way they've gone about it, the way they've approached it, the way they've enforced it, a lot of the time it's a m- mixture of culture with mm. religion and then you have this cultural Islam, which isn't actually Islam or, or fully Islam and, and it's all a bit of a mishmash and it has a massive negative impact. But inshallah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good discussion soon mm. on that topic of, uh, you know, of atheism, really, of, of Muslims. Awesome. Even, Let's do that. Inshallah. Um, and I think we, we should wrap up for today uh, yeah. on, on that point, inshallah. Um, like I said, please do comment because I'm really, really interested to learn more about your perspectives on this whole topic. Um, and uh, inshallah, you could help me shape to, uh, some resources and other things that I've, I've got in the pipeline, inshallah. Inshallah. And on that note, uh, I would like to say thank you for this topic, Nullibai, because at the end of the day, I've actually benefited a lot, even if some people may have known this already. I didn't. And inshallah, that's there's something definitely that I will, not just my kids, but my nephews and nieces and extended um, f- people, kids I know, inshallah, I will bring that to them, like parents as well. Like, speak to your kids about Islam and Islamophobia and racism. Alhamdulillah, thank you so much. A lot of gems from that. And uh, on that note, <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Look, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam.
Do-do-do-do-do-do.